welcome to Conversation Justice. My name is Jakob Kotan and I have Fleur Smith today who is solicitor in a family department of Ghana and Hancock Solicitors and she does a bit of, uh, apart from family, she does a bit of uh, court of protection work. And we're going to talk about no-fault divorces. Fleur being a specialist, I welcome her to uh, today's podcast. So as Jakob was just saying, obviously the law changed in April. Previously, it was, you had to have some, it had to be one party's fault. There was five reasons you could get divorced previously. Um, Two of them were actually fault-based and the others were based upon having to wait a certain amount of time. So it had to be one party kind of being unreasonable, there'd be unreasonable behaviour or adultery, which obviously immediately is quite contentious. And the other three grounds were to do with two years separation but the other party had to consent so if the other party didn't want to get a divorce then you couldn't even do this post two years so sorry to interrupt, <clears throat> but you say two years so yeah in under under the previous law you had to wait two years before you could file for divorce exactly unless... even if you hated your exactly your wife. Okay. <laughs> exactly so i'll tell you something interesting okay are you familiar with the history of Scotty uh, Wolf? No. Also known as Glyn Wolf. <laughs> I can't from say From California, um, no? No. Right, so this person managed to marry 31 times. Gosh. I don't know how many divorces, whether we can match those or whether there's one less divorce. I, don't, I couldn't find the data. <laughs> but you said two years. That person... Uh, their shortest uh, marriage only lasted 19 days. So clearly, the Californian law allows... Yes, well, unless he unless he just kept doing petitions on uh, unreasonable behaviour or... After <laughs> 19 being... days? Yeah, 19 days is tricky. It must 19 be a days is tricky. of character. Although in the, in the UK, you have to wait a year to get a divorce anyway, so I don't know what you would have done. <laughs> anyway, I've interrupted you. <laughs> no so yeah the previous allowed <clears throat> either for to blame someone which was never a good start to a, to a divorce or um would have to wait minimum of two years or if you wanted to do it without that person's consent you'd have to wait for five years or you'd have to prove that you just didn't know where they were or or they'd completely deserted you essentially oh, that was the final was. ground i guess yeah i guess it would just be on the basis of you just want a divorce because you don't know where they are I guess that would be fair enough to say that your marriage had broken down if they disappeared. But generally, before April 2022, mm-hmm. you had to blame the other one for something yes. in order to get a divorce. That's yeah. no longer the case following uh, the Owens and Owens uh, case from 2018. Yes, yeah, so that kind of really brought it to light when the wife filed a petition um, on the basis of her husband's unreasonable behaviour. Um, and he contested it and basically said that he didn't think that his behaviour had been unreasonable um, and that he didn't believe his marriage had broken down and that he didn't therefore think that they should get a divorce. And it went to the court and it, they basically agreed that her evidence wasn't enough. It was, it was in the Supreme Court It went well. to the Supreme Court, yeah. And that they weren't entitled to divorce. But I think the court obviously felt a bit uncomfortable about that morally because it was a bit like, well, if this person doesn't want to be in this marriage, why are we forcing it to? But that was what the law said. I think that was the accelerator for the new act. Yeah. The the judges in the Supreme Court said, look, we're going to give this judgment, but it's not making much sense to us. Yeah. And they kind of felt very happy about doing it. 
Uh, but And then she would have had to have waited five years to then get a divorce. To start again. To start again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She would have had to because she, the, if he wasn't going to consent, then she would have had to have waited. Moving on to the situation we had before. Yeah. And that having to play the blame game. It, it had terrible impact on the people involved, their children. Yeah. And you deal, you, you've been dealing with this for, for years now. Yeah, I think especially kind of with children, I think with parents having to try and to co-parent, if, if there's this kind of thing going on in the background of this malicious kind of <laughs> argument about the divorce that must have made that makes it more difficult to co-parent and to I mean in and in situations where the, the parents are having to live in the same property still until the, their finances are settled it causes such an impact on the children and and the individuals themselves you know it's not even just the the children it's a very kind of it was a traumatic experience for both parties as well where it just didn't need to be in some cases there wasn't a fault but you almost had to make up a fault which then just started this argument mm. before that was even it wasn't even necessary and you could even say that before april you could run higher bill with your solicitor because you had to find those elements of blame yeah argue them quite well in order to bring it to court yeah exactly and and also we to try and minimize that kind of aggravation we would usually write to the other party and say you know unfortunately because of the situation where the, the law is in we are going to have to do it on the basis of your unreasonable behavior and we'd have to kind of spend time writing that letter which obviously would increase costs as well just to try and minimize that mm. contentiousness right so a good thing yeah. Happened. We've we've gone beyond April. We've got the new law. Yeah. People can get divorced without having to blame each other. Yeah. So how how are you finding it? So I think I mean there's definitely I mean it's definitely positive. I think a, a new thing that that you can also do under the new law is that you can do a joint application. So before you it would be one party would make an application for divorce. Whereas now you can do it together, which I think is really positive because I think there's so many situations I've had you know clients in the past where it's kind of you know we've just fallen out of love it's not that anything particularly bad's happened it's just that we've decided not to be together anymore and it means that they can go into this process doing it on equal footing which has got to have I mean psychologically that's got to have a better impact on them going forward if they felt like they did it as as together but also, you know, you can still do it as a single single application, but it's not that you've got to write a statement as to what that person did. You literally just say, your marriage is broken down and that's the end of it. If one party doesn't want to be married, why should they stay in it? Because the other party does. It almost sort of invites for the thought of, or the statement of, I no longer love you. Yeah. How you how do you argue that in, co- in court? That, that, and now you can. And that's literally it. Now you can. And, and the thing is, you can't even get to the stage of trying to argue that. It's just, it's if one party wants to end it, the other party has to just get on with it. Children, mental health, again, that's a positive thing. Yeah. It? I mean, you'd hope so. I think there's always situations kind of, especially when it comes to finances, that there's still an opportunity potentially for things to be more difficult. But I think the fact that you can now start the process without it being kind of contentious, that's got to be a positive that, you know, I think hopefully it will mean that more separating parents and couples will be able to do it without it kind of being this big negative impact on everyone. So is it easier for people to go to court now? 
So it, the divorce process that they've tried to do is they, they've made like an online portal, um, which is meant to be easier for people to do it without a solicitor. But that's just the divorce itself. But the finances, that part of it hasn't that hasn't changed. It's just the divorce process. It's meant they try they try to simplify it, and they've simplified the language as well. So, for example, the kind of first stage of the divorce used to be called a decree nisi, which obviously doesn't really mean anything to anyone unless you're well, legally right. trained. <laughs> so they've now they've now changed the name to a conditional order, which is yeah. makes way more sense. And then the decree absolute they changed to final order, which again then, you know, you, you oh, could... Self-explanatory. Exactly. And I think it's that's what... The the, end, yeah, yeah. So it's the final order. So I think they've the purpose of it was to try and make it kind of more accessible for people so that if you couldn't afford to get a lawyer, you could still do the process yourself. So you could file, you could fill in the forms, but would, you, would it be good to have a lawyer or does it make much difference? What... What's your experience? I suppose you're going to tell me. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, hundred percent, you need a lawyer. <laughs> no, I think, I think if you're able to kind of do an online application, then it, it, I think it's a it is a different portal for kind of if you're not a solicitor. So obviously, I'm not hundred percent sure what that portal looks like because I don't have I haven't been able to do it. But the the purpose of it is meant to be easier. But I think with when it comes to finances, it's it's definitely important to get a solicitor involved because that's kind of a, a lot more of a complex issue but the divorce itself some people I've had people kind of say you know I'd rather just you deal with it because then I don't have to worry about it because they've got 10 other things they have to worry about mm-hmm. in the fact that their you know marriage is breaking down that they don't want to then have to fill out forms and keep an eye on deadlines and there's still kind of you know service and and things like that that parties have to consider of serving the petition on on the other party and there's certain deadlines that you have to meet for that and so I think some people would just rather pay the money and kind of just have someone do it which I do obviously get that's fair enough yeah so I think it's I think it's preference I think it's good they've given the opportunity if people are in you know really don't have the money to pay a solicitor they have the option to do it themselves because I think otherwise people get trapped in these marriages because they can't they can't afford it which it can't be a good thing Mm. apart from the quite a substantial uh, court fee you need to pay. Yeah. I think it's just shy of £600. Yeah, 593 yeah. But you did say that it is important to get a lawyer for the financial settlements. We talked about the things to consider, like yeah. the ongoing needs and so on. There's got to be a way of cal- calculating those and you could easily forget that something should have been considered, right? We, we... Yeah, so there's kind of, want to kind of, make sure that all of your finances are set out when parties are married which is something that people don't often realize is that regardless to kind of whose name things are in so for example if the property is in one person's name it's still in most cases there's always ifs and buts in in the law but in most cases that will be considered a kind of a matrimonial asset especially if the parties have been married for a long time and so everything needs to be drawn drawn into this pot and everything needs to be looked at in detail, whether it's, you know, assets in the UK or assets worldwide. And I think that's where it kind of, it can get a bit more complicated working out the best way to separate those assets um, <clears throat> so that both parties kind of can meet their needs going forward. But needs is assets. You need a house? Need a house and then income. Income. Yeah. You told me about the case. Uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um, 
that kind of the importance of getting some kind of settlement in a kind of formal order that is filed with the court. And, you know, you don't have to go through the complete court process to get that. Parties go to mediation and then it gets put into a court order or negotiations through solicitors. But there was a case, Vincent White, where they separated. And at that time, I think all they had was a caravan between them. And I think the husband just said, look, to the wife, like, you have the caravan, like, I'm good. Um, and then over 15 years later, he became, I think he created the electricity company Ecotricity. And his company was at that point, it was in the ni- 1990s. His company was worth over kind of 50 million. And suddenly she was like, hang on a minute, I want to make a claim. And she made a claim on his finances and she was successful. We don't know the exact amount she got because I think they settled outside of court. There's kind of speculations of kind of, she was going for a, over a million. I think she got a bit less from what people say, but the point is that even oh, 15 years later, over 15 years later, she was able to make a claim on his finances because they didn't get that final order. Ah. Whereas if they just got that final order and said, you have the caravan, that's the end of it, clean break, she wouldn't have had any possibility to go back later. I see. See, it's interesting. <laughs> so in the final order, you should also make sure you state that if your future former husband <laughs> becomes a millionaire, yeah. you want a chunk of his money. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be tricky to get that in an order. But, um, but yeah, so that, yeah. So I think that's where I think having a, a solicitor and lawyer is, is important to get that final order. However, you get to the point where you reach that agreement to get into that final order, but that order needs to be filed with the court, signed off by a judge so that it's over, you know, so that all claims can, can stop. But the final order, when you say this, it needs to be calculated. You need to consider ongoing and future needs. Yes. But I said you you may everyone needs a house. They need a roof, not not necessarily a house, (laughs) but they need a roof over their head. Yeah. And they need income. Yeah. And other people are less likely to have certain amounts of income going forward and so on. So all these needs will need to be properly assessed and considered. And that's where you when you where you come in. Yeah, and obviously one person's needs and are very different, and that's it. It's the negotiation bit that's really the the main because you know everyone thinks their needs are probably more than they are because they want to try and get a bit more more out of it. But it's working out, kind of looking at what properties that then their needs. You know, when there's children, what property is nearby the schools or what what's near your job, people's mortgage capacities, and it's kind of a big calculation to work out how assets can be split so that both parties can kind of continue into their lives going forward yes and i suppose it's easier if you meet your the solicitor on the other side as opposed to if uh, husband and wife who are divorcing meet and they just start saying to each other they hate each other exactly rather than trying to resolve yeah the and, uh, and emotions get in, get involved and and there obviously are kind of legal principles that have to be taken to into mm. account and at the end of the day a judge is going to have to look at it and approve it so it's good to have someone who knows the law because they're going to know whether a judge is going to approve it or not. Because we have situations where both parties agree to an order. We file it with the court and the court turn around and say, no, I don't think this is fair. I don't think both parties mm. need to met, start again. And that's the that's the point you made earlier about the case not being fully settled. Yeah. If you settle something, you need to make sure that it's you're pro- not done properly. agreeing to something which you will regret later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, And that's why you have a solicitor. That's why you have me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. On this note, I think we should summarise. So we've discussed 
how the law looked like before April 2022, yeah. how it looks like now, and that on balance, it is much better on those people wishing to file for divorce. Yeah. It's better for their children, but yeah. they should be wary of trying to do it all DIY style. Yeah, yeah. And get the advice they need to in yeah. order to protect themselves because it's still a court process. It's still a court decision. Yeah. And it will be, will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have been Jakob Gotan. And I have been Flair Smith. Thank you.